It is health naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. We're going to talk about honey today, especially in ointment form. But 49216216 is the question or the number for your question come through. And Deborah has rung in from Caves Beach. Deborah, you've got a question about menopause and a particular remedy. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a remedy that... Uh, involves a few things, mm-hmm. um, one of them being black cohosh, mm-hmm. uh, maca powder, maca and sage and a few others. On, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. Okay. It's online, I okay. think. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. you, you are menopausal, are you, Deborah? Yes, Okay. Yes. And you're experiencing flushing and perspiration and things like yes. that, are you? Yes. Okay. Look, there are a number of natural things that might be of help to you, mm. but one of the things that I would warn you about is um, be cautious about purchasing stuff online, yes. uh, particularly from overseas, where, yep. f- where frequently what's offered is overstated and frequently a preparation that would be offered has so many remedies in it that it yes. would be unlikely that any one of them would have a significant effect. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, uh, what I would say is that uh, there are a number of herbs that can be tried in singular form initially, and that would be the advice initially that I would give you, and it's an opinion based on, if you like, my experience in helping ladies work through this area. Yep. Um, my advice is to try one remedy at a time and preferably preparations that are singular. Okay. So, so uh, if you're interested in the herb black cohosh, there are very well-known products in the marketplace uh, okay. based on black cohosh and black cohosh alone. I will, not make, I will not mention the product name, but if you were to go to your health food store or pharmacy and say that you have spoken to me and I had been talking about uh, a black cohosh product that's popularly used in Europe, your yep. pharmacy would know what I'm talking about. And that, okay. that product has been in the marketplace for very many years and whilst it does not help all women, I have found that its, rep, its European reputation... Uh, is validated in many, many cases here. So uh, black cohosh is a good starting point. Um, It's one of those herbs that is best referred to as containing what we refer to as phytoestrogens, that's plant-based estrogenic substances. So there's a degree of credibility as far as its chemistry is concerned as to how it affects aspects of the change. Mm -hmm. So that is one preparation. There are other herbs, and I'll give two others, which I think you should look at depending on how you go Mm -hmm. with, say, the black cohosh preparation. Uh, The other herb that's uh, popularly used in Australia and is, in fact, manufactured by an Australian company is based on the herb red clover. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Red clover again. Uh, is very well known in in, um, in chemical circles, if you like. That is in circles where plant chemistry uh, is is used, uh, and uh, this particular preparation, red clover, again contains crudely what are referred to as phytoestrogens, and mm-hmm. as has a very useful role here, as evidenced by the many women that source this product. Again, I'll not mention brand name because there are so many, but again, a preparation based entirely on red clover, well known in your health food store and pharmacy. That's the mm-hmm. second one. Yep. Now, the third preparation is one that I very frequently mention, and quite interestingly, I've had some of the best feedback from it, and it is the most simple remedy uh, to procure and probably the most inexpensive and that is an ordinary uh, herbal tea, 
uh, based on the herb red sage. Oh, yes. Now, I actually tried the sage. Okay. Um, it's, it's I a... didn't try it for very long <laughs> because I, I can't handle the taste I of thought it. You, I, thought, I thought you were going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I did find when I was in Armadale uh, last, there was a lovely little health food store up there, and we, we uh, stumbled upon one of Hilda Hemi's products, and beautifully packed and registered product of, of, of uh, red sage. And I, I thought to myself, this looked to be a very, very good product, but again... Uh, some women uh, take issue with the taste of it, but very frequently, uh, Deborah, the taste of a herbal tea can be buffered by things mm. like honey and yep. also also getting used to it. It's only a period of time before you start to get used to it. Yeah, well, all... I, I, I did use the honey, yes. and that was, it's not the actual taste, it's more the aftertaste. Ah, okay. Well, it's... look... They're three that I would recommend you try. Mm, yeah. uh, the only mention, reason I mentioned Red Sage was that it is the most inexpensive. And if you're, yeah. in, a, if you're in a country like France, for instance, you'd be surprised that uh -huh. this, is, this is the leading remedy used by French women as they go through this interesting physiological change that you're passing through. Right. How many cups a day would you need? Because uh, look, I... this varies considerably. Yeah. Uh, and herbal teas, fortunately, because of the, the diversity of strength and dosage, are not critical as far as that goes. But I would be saying I'd be looking at taking, say, a cup before bed. Oh, okay. And a cup, a cup when one gets up, and usually a teaspoonful of the okay. dried herb. Try okay. that and see how you go. There I are might three. Be able to... Look, I might be able to cope with that much. Well, pers persevere, but don't forget the other products that I mentioned are yeah. well established in the marketplace as over-the-counter recommendations. They're listed with the Therapeutic Goods Administration so mm -hmm. that they meet the requirements of um, this registering body. I just um, I heard of a friend that mm. um, she read that the black cohosh can damage your liver. Okay. So. Again... With many herbs and many drugs and even some foods in incorrect dosage, incorrect use, can cause physiological problems. Right. Black, black cohosh, because it is an over-the-counter product, yeah. has a warning on it because there are a few instances around the world that seem to be related to the herb. But mm -hmm. um, I have used black cohosh for 40 years in many forms and mm -hmm. have never seen, even from blood test results, any ramifications on the liver. That, pro that product, nevertheless, because it is black cohosh, has to comply with the regulatory authorities and have that statement on it. Well, thanks very much for your call, Deborah. And 49216216 will get your question through to Dennis Stewart today. And Tony has rung in on 49216216 from Lochinvar. And Tony, you've got some problems with pain. Yes, yes, I do. Um, good, good afternoon. Um, what my uh, problem is, mm -hmm. it seems to be brought on by food. Um, I'm assuming I did have pancreatitis about two years ago, mm -hmm. and I'm experiencing at the moment actually under my jaw. I've got severe pain, and and up higher in my back, um, I've got this very severe pain. And I've been to see a, a, a local um, specialist up in Maitland and um, he's told me that there's nothing he can do for me. Um, so, uh, and I've been to my GP and she's run numerous tests um, and it's, I, I know it's food, I'm sure it is, um, but yes, it's anything seems to bring it on. Highly spiced foods, 
Mm. Um, so I'm avoiding all of those, but it's getting to the stage where um, I'm so um, frightened to eat anything oh, for dear. fear that it's going to bring it on. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um, Tony, uh, this is a tough one, and it would be wrong of me to suggest on radio that I've got the answer to this. Obviously, if you're a specialist and your general practitioner uh, has no answers for it. Anything mm -hmm. that I suggest would be very, very tentative. The first thing I would ask, however, is that uh, when your doctor did the investigation, um, did she make any comment on your liver function? No, not that I... No, she didn't. OK, look, um, because you've had pancreatitis, it, it comes to my mind that there might be something going on and that's as that's as basic as i could put it there mm. might be something going on as far as pancreatic liver and gallbladder functioning um, uh, you need perhaps to discuss with your gp initially whether there's any possibility that this could be associated with uh, an elevation in your liver enzymes and i'm only supposing this yeah. there might be nothing in it but Obviously, you have to pursue it because you're in distress and unless you do something now, you're not going to get very far because medically, uh, you seem to be at a bit of a cul-de-sac. Discuss, yeah. discuss with your GP any aberrations in your blood test, particularly de dealing uh, with your liver. Uh, also talk to her or him about whether there's any possibility of, of the gallbladder being implicated. Now, the gallbladder is a fascinating organ and in the mainstream system, uh, frequently what is looked for are gallstones. But in our profession, we also talk about what's called a sluggish liver and gallbladder, where there's no overt presence of any calculi, but where the, the axis, the liver, the gallbladder axis, seems to be sluggish and congested and where frequently herbs as simple as dandelion promote an improvement in liver and gallbladder function. I would be pursuing that line as a starting base. It seems to me, uh, from my limited knowledge, and again, I'm speaking here not as a doctor or a specialist, but based on my limited knowledge, you can't rule out some connection with your background of pancreatitis mm. and the, the pain you're experiencing ah. there could be, could be related to something like that. Haven't helped you much, but I would suggest a consultation with your GP. Hey, doctor, what were my liver enzymes like? Is there any possibility that this be, could be connected with a sluggish gallbladder? All the very best with that, Tony. And uh, it's 29 past 12, health naturally. It's time to talk about honey as an ointment, Dennis. I think we will. Um, and look, the reason I'm wanting to take this up uh, again, and I know we've touched on it, in previous programs at the beginning of the year is that very frequently when I'm in the office with my wife uh, and listening to her conversations with people, I pick up very interesting information. My dear wife is a great conversationalist and uh, seems to have people that ring her continually from all over Australia uh, because she's such a pleasant personality and she gets to know them. And I was uh, listening the other day and she was talking to a lady from Narrabri uh, who for many years has been using uh, honey ointment to address uh, anything from slow healing wounds to the occasional leg ulcer that she gets. And the lady was ringing up, ordering a couple of more jars and saying to my dear wife that she had never um, been short of the preparation. She would not be without having honey ointment in the household and she has recommended to so many friends 
for the classic indications for which it works. So I thought, okay, it's the end of the year, let's just review why there's so much certainly lay appreciation, if not medical appreciation. By the way, Jane, there should be a lot of medical appreciation. It's starting to happen, but as late as yesterday, one of my patients said that she'd raised the issue with her medical managers about using honey ointment on a very, very stubborn and um, slow-healing leg ulcer, and unfortunately there was no interest in it. That disappoints me. But anyway... Looking at honey ointment as an agent which I believe should be had in what we used to call every, med every medicine chest, where are the areas where this fascinating remedy that's usually based on, on honey, sometimes it's also blended with cod liver oil. A lot of people don't realise that the Greeks used not only honey but also cod liver oil as an amazing agent also for promoting healing of slow healing wounds. Honey ointment that contains honey and it doesn't have to be manuka but uh, good quality Australian honey um, whether it be uh, jelly bush which is the Australian manuka or the New Zealand manuka it doesn't really matter with some cod liver oil in it um, that is a preparation that has proven to be so successful and why is it successful very quickly honey works by doing two things and this can be found out very easily from the literature and we were talking Jane before the program a book that I should mention to listeners who are interested in what's called The Healing Powers of Honey is this excellent, very readable work entitled The Healing Powers of Honey by the American author Cal, Cal Ory, O-R-E-Y. I found this book very up-to-date, very easy to read, very credible and covers all possibilities associated with honey being used as a healing agent and honey being used also for other reasons. Good reference for people that want a book on their shelf that they can use to look at the various ways that honey works. But in that text even, it is emphasised that honey works by doing two fundamental things. That's cleansing a wound, and there is a very sophisticated explanation as to how that's done. And secondly, by having a natural antibacterial effect put those two together and you promote a healing environment which very frequently sees lesions that have been existing for a very 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 long period of time and have been dressed with numerous other preparations begin to take up as a result of the regular application of the honey ointment so for slow healing wounds and in particular one of the areas why I'm fascinated in that is in the area of uh, uh, leg ulcers and very many people, particularly elderly people, particularly diabetics, battle with leg ulcers, some that have been there for years, some that keep re occurring. Here is one of the areas where I believe honey still is an underestimated topical agent that should be tried. Look, it's not the answer to all things, but my word, I've seen some remarkable things with my patients where we've used that preparation. That's the first area to think about using it. The other, sec the other area, and I'll be quick, the other area where it's popularly used and where I've found it to be very, very useful is when fissures occur. F-I-S-S-U-R-E-S. Not, and, uh, and not they, the ones in the sea. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. No, fish, fissures, which uh, simply mean uh, cracks. And these fissures can occur in very, very personal and very uncomfortable regions. Anal fissures, for instance, are a good example of a condition that can be stubbornly present, give a lot of symptoms, and make the person's life very, very unbearable. The topical application of honey ointment 
to anal fissures in particular has helped a lot of my patients over 40 years and I developed the honey ointment 25 years ago there's a story that we've gone over it numerous times in that period of time fishers have done particularly well with the regular ongoing use of honey ointment and the third area of use and this again is a very sort of personal area people don't like to talk about it too much but women in particular experience a condition where in the genital region the skin and the mucous membranes can atrophy and become very dry and very irritable and make life and intimacy quite quite problematical. Had a lady from Singleton whose life was changed, as far as that was concerned, by treating that condition, which is not curable, but treating that condition by making it bearable with the use of honey ointment. So in a couple or three very important areas, I think... Honey needs to be seen as a topical agent with potential benefit, ideally monitored by the general practitioner or the community nurse who should increasingly be open to the fact that honey has possibilities used greatly overseas and in those three areas, slow healing wounds, particularly ulcers, uh, fissure conditions, particularly anal fissures, and thirdly, in those conditions such as lichen sclerosis, a nasty condition, the use of the honey ointment there can make a woman's life particularly much more bearable. Three areas where honey ointment can be looked at. Alan has rung in from Valentine. Hello, Alan. Hi, Jane. How are you? Going well. You've got something you'd like to say about honey ointment. I would if I could speak to Dennis for a minute. You are at the moment. Hello, Alan. How are you? Good, Dennis. Dennis, yeah. another couple of uses for your honey ointment. Yes. Your manuka honey ointment. Yes. Put boiling water on a foot, oh, yes. right on the lace-up area of a pair of joggers at work. Yes. And and for five years she had a scar, scar tissue, yes. and it used to irritate with the laces. Were. Yes. So after five years, she decided to use the honey ointment on it, and for six months, regularly at night, she put it on. Yes. And today, there's no scar. There's nothing. It's just perfectly clean tissue. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely, Alan. And look, um, I could talk about uh, honey all day as far as the claims are concerned for it, but your partner or wife's experience in using honey to undo uh, the, the side effects of a bad scald uh, doesn't surprise me. It doesn't, uh, doesn't the other one is my daughter gets a hair treated occasionally, right? Yes. She gets a, a, um, foils in it yes. and she gets a little bit of dermatitis on her scalp yes yes she started using honey ointment and that recently and that knocks it back a bit too oh that's help. good and look it's much it's much better in my opinion to use soft agents like that rather than go for the pharmaceuticals i'm not opposed to pharmaceuticals but always as you would expect me to say i encourage people to try softer options and using honey-based preparations for any inflammatory condition a dermatitis um, even uh, even things like a, a boil or an abscess is not a bad thing to do and i'm impressed with the way alan in which you have uh, harnessed the benefits of the melderma honey ointment with its uh, manuka honey plus also as i've said the presence 
of the cod liver oil. And thank you, Alan, very much for ringing in. That's good feedback, it's mate. It's great feedback. Mm. Thank you, Alan. Uh, 49216216 for your question or comment for Dennis today. And uh, Sam has rung in from Birmingham Gardens. And uh, you've had a broken tibia. Yes, I um, broke my tibia on tibia and my calcaneal on the other other leg about 18 months ago. Yes. And I just want to ask Dennis about um, something in the natural line pain relief. Okay. Is the, uh, uh, are the bones healed or are they slow to heal, um, Sam? Oh, they're healed now. The doctor said they're healed. But I'm still... I'm a, self-employed painter and decorator, yes, so I'm, yeah. I'm on my feet a lot, and still at the end of the day, the pain's still quite substantial. Still, got, still getting to you. Look, a, a couple of little recommendations. Has your doctor uh, got you on any analgesic medication or anti-inflammatory medication or anything like that? Um, I take some, um, yeah, an anti-inflammatory. Yes. The doctor just recommended as yeah. needed each night. Yes. And but I dropped down for other medications other than like Panadol Osteo, really. Yes. Look, what, what I'd suggest you do is, um, have you tried Stiff Sore and Sorry? Yes, yes, I have got that, yes, okay. as well. Use it more regularly. Most people do not use that great product as regularly as they should. Now, I can speak personally about that because one member of my family uh, has a, a very significant skeletal problem and the thing that gives him significant relief is a regular, frequent, daily application of Stiff Sore and Sorry, principle number one. The second thing, the second thing that I would do uh, is to go onto something like the glucosamine-based products and you work with them for a while. I take them myself because of, uh, how can I call it, ageing aging bones um, yeah, but yeah. if you, you recommend? well if you hang on what I will do um, the uh, our dear receptionist will take your details and I will send you free of charge as a gift from the program a container of my uh, preparation called glucosaplex so oh, uh, we'll Thank send you. that we'll send that to you if you find that you get benefit uh, with it you can always get it repeated from my rooms at New Lambton. So I would suggest that accelerate your use of Stiff Sore and Sorry and get onto the Glucosaplex product um, and work with that for a number of months. That's a starting base anyway that might help you somewhat. Stay on the line, Sam, and um, we will get back to you in just a moment. We'll just uh, move over to Margaret, though, who's rung in on 49216216 and uh, she's rung from Elibana. Margaret, you've got a comment you'd like to make to Dennis. Yes, Dennis. Um, I just thought I'd let you know the success I've had with your Manuka ointment yes. um, after about 12 months of trying to clear up an anal fissure with mm. um, creams from my GP. Mm. Finally went and got some of your ointment and after about three or four weeks, I I've no longer got a problem. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? I bet, you, so, I, bet you're, I bet you're much more comfortable, Margaret. Oh, yes. yes, yes I, I just uh, thought yeah, it would be yeah. good for listeners to hear how yeah, success yeah. I had with that. And look, uh, that's the sort of feedback that makes the program worthwhile, and I think listeners know that I'm not here to blow my own trumpet. I'm here to try to help people by making them aware of some of the natural products that I've worked with for 40 years and have been shown to address problems that are stubborn and sometimes not responsive to mainstream medicine and the anal fissure is a 
condition which I've treated frequently over my 40 years of practice, which, by the way, is soon to come to an end, and it is one of those conditions that is delightful to see uh, responsive to the honey ointment. And uh, I, I, I love that feedback, Margaret. I'm glad you're doing well with it, and uh, uh, thank you so much. It encourages me. And uh, we might, in fact, have another comment on honey ointment from Alicia coming up now from Nelson Bay. Hello, Alicia. Hello, how are you? Hello, Alicia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I just would like to thank you and also tell the listeners about your amazing honey ointment. I did have a second degree burn on my foot from the hot water. I've applied your honey ointment, completely healed, no scars. Oh, that's lovely, Alicia, isn't it? That's beautiful feedback. And uh, you're the, the second person today that's vouched for the efficacy of the uh, Manuka-based Melderma honey ointment for the relief and healing of burns and, uh, and the way in which the ointment tends to promote healing to the extent that there's virtually no scar tissue. And uh, where are we going next? I think we're going to Mari, who has rung in from Stroud. A question about honey ointment, Mari. Yes. Hello, Hello, Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Um, I was just wondering, is honey ointment... I'm your age, long term, long time yes. diabetic. Yes, yes. And would it be any good on, um, like, skin cancers, you know? It gives me the horrors if I've got to go and get them burned off. It always infects. Look, I would not advise it to be used on a skin uh, on a skin cancer um, skin cancers are skin cancers and no one knows uh, the problems associated with them more than myself um, I've had a little bit of personal experience with the basal cell carcinoma so I don't recommend um, anything to be used on a skin cancer other than that uh, that is recommended by a uh, your GP or a dermatologist now having said that having said that there may be some role to play uh, for the honey ointment in helping heal the area that has been uh, treated by your GP or your dermatologist. Put that in perspective. Sometimes as we get older, our skin is slower to heal and sometimes a surgical procedure or a cauterization or even a conventional topical treatment may see the skin uh, ulcerate or be slow to heal there there may be a role to use the honey ointment but again again anything you do there needs to be run past your medical management your gp is always your prime contact therapist always be guided by them albeit frequently the mention uh, to an innovative gp will see some of these natural things given a go it is not wise to use it and i emphasize this on skin cancers they are medically treatable conditions and need to remain so but there may be some benefit in seeing the honey ointment being used as a healing agent on skin problems perhaps associated with a, me a medical procedure and thank you for that call now david has also rung in from waratah um hello david you've got a comment on something other than honey today yes hello david Hello, how are you? I'm well, David. How can I help I, you? I just wanted to um, say thank you for putting me on the milk thistle and that terrine tablet. Yes. It's 35,000. It's actually made my liver and my bowel work. 
Oh, isn't that good? I'll just explain. Yeah. I'll just explain to the listeners quickly, uh, David, uh, what uh, milk thistle uh, does yeah. and where it works. David rang yeah. in uh, because he's been on a herb called milk thistle, which is also known as St Mary's thistle. Uh, herbs are fascinating uh, individuals in as much that frequently their names uh, have very fascinating. Um, very fascinating histories behind them. It's called St Mary's Thistle, which goes back to the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ. And it is claimed that, uh, that Mary, um, Mary's tears at the crucifixion dropped on a nettle that was growing, and forever that nettle uh, had a complexion about it uh, which made it look very variegated. In other words, the, sea, the St Mary's thistle has white spots all over it, and this, in, in folklore, is associated with the consequence of the Virgin Mary uh, weeping and her tears dropping onto this particular plant at the foot of the cross. Very fascinating history, and as one who's interested in folklore and the history of these things, I appreciate that. But more importantly or equally importantly, I should say, St Mary's thistle is the leading herb in natural medicine for addressing uh, chronic liver conditions, particularly things like fatty liver, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, conditions also where the liver enzymes may be elevated as a result of multiple things, uh, drinking too much or even sometimes medication that a patient has to be on can cause the liver to be under stress as evidenced by the elevation in the enzymes. There is nothing that I'm aware of that can compete with the benefits of this harmless remedy in seeking to re rehabilitate the liver. And the good thing about it is um, the specialist who would be monitoring uh, the, the patient's condition where the liver was compromised uh, would likely see over a number of liver function tests carried out over a period of time, very frequently some improvement in the patient's enzymes. I had a patient in yesterday um, whom I've seen uh, throughout the year who, um, who staggered two of her medical managers by seeing her liver back within the normal range after years and years of being uh, chronically characterised by elevated liver enzymes. The sad thing was, in this case, there seemed to be little credibility given to this herb which is so frequently prescribed medically in Europe and is so well written up in the European literature. And I have lectured for 20-odd years from Dr. Rudolf Weiss's book, Herbal Medicine, who was a great German medical practitioner and a great German herbalist. His monograph in that book on St Mary's Thistle would tend to contradict any cynicism that remains out there in Anglo-medicine about the possibilities of this herb in being able to help the liver. So thank you very much for ringing in. I appreciate it. And thank you. Uh, Bill will be our last caller for today from Head and Greeter, Dennis. Um, now, Bill, you're a nurse and you've got a patient with back pain. Is that right? No, no. I just listened to you about the uh, lady who phoned in that said you had jaw pain and yes. previous pancreatitis. Yes. I mean, it's just a possibility that, uh, I mean, a lot of females seem to get back pain when they've, you know, got uh, cardiac problems like angina or yes. indeed infarcts, you yes. know. I think that's a good comment, Bill. Uh, the reason I didn't go in that direction was that I would have thought 
that this would have been one of the primary areas of investigation that the patients, uh, a doctor and specialist would have undertaken. To me, it would have been very puzzling if, if a cardiovascular investigation hadn't uh, t taken place with this set of symptoms. I know where, I know where you're coming from on that. Um, I, I would, well, I, I sincerely believe that that patient would have been investigated along those lines. But thanks very much, Bill, for ringing in. It's a good comment. It's excellent to have your comments, and uh, that will be our last caller for today. We've just got time to wrap mm. up honey with a, with a minute to go. Um, Dennis, do some honeys work better than other honeys? Yes, and look, I'll say it quickly. The most important thing is to make sure that you're using pure honey. Honey is one of the greatest scams in the world. There are three foods that are scammed most in the world, milk and um, honey and olive oil. So if you're going to use honey, make sure that it is Australian honey or New Zealand honey. Any product that is not based on New Zealand or Australian honey, I would question. The second thing is there does seem to be a case these days for stating that the constituents of both the Australian manuka which um, is Leptospermum um, polygonatum, and also the New Zealand uh, manuka, which is Leptospermum scoparium, that both those two um, trees, if you like, have natural antibacterial characteristics that perhaps makes them more applicable for the treatment of, of lesions such as ulcers and infected wounds. So two things, yes. Are there some honeys better than other? Yes, Australian and New Zealand honeys, in my opinion, are the best and should be worked with. And secondly, manuka, whether it be the Australian or the New Zealand manuka, would seem to have an edge on others for topical applications. That is a great summary of honey and its application for health. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.